Blog Talk Radio. That means it's time for an episode of Stunt Tracks with yours truly, Uncle Jim, and the one and only Leslie Hoffman. How you doing tonight, Leslie? Oh, I'm I'm doing okay, and the snow finally disappeared. (laughs) And supposedly (laughs) no snow in the future forecast, at least. I know, it's amazing. I, I just last week we were talking about taking the snow tires off your car and now it's going to, it's going to be close to almost in the mid seventies this weekend. Wow. That's what I hear. Yeah. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. (laughs) I'll take it though. It's better than the snow. Much better than the snow. Definitely better than the snow. Um, I mean, I still say, even with the the two snows that we had in the last four weeks or whatever time period it was, actually, I I think we had a very short winter this year or a mild one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we, you know, we had all of our snow dumped on us at one time instead of spread out through the whole winter. So it seemed like it was worse because we got dumped on so much at one given time. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, I'm used as you're saying. Or or normal winter is like it it snows every day or it's so sub zero that actually there are no clouds in the sky and I mean, it could easily be twenty below zero here. So, so that oh, I yeah. guess that's yeah. why I'm saying it was a mild winters. I just, I mean, there were some cold days, but on the whole, I mean, it seemed like it started and end ended, <laughs> but then it seemed like it wanted to try at least twice <laughs> to start up again. Yep. I think it's gone for good, though, until next yeah. year. Well, I, I hope, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Did you finally get your uh, snow tires off your car? 
Oops. Wait a minute. Did I finally get your... Oh, well, actually, oh, I thought I told you this uh, last week, is that I actually switched the snow tires before the first unusual snow. So, so I was back in my all-weather summer tires, uh, and then it snowed, and then it snowed again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I just love the winters up in up here in New England in the Northeast, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, so it, unpredictable. Well, yeah, and then well, I'll just say, uh, well, the first snow was um, like a fluffy snow, but this second snow that we just had was like this really wet, heavy snow. And it didn't freeze to my windshield, but it was heavy enough that uh, the wipers, you know, the first snow, the wipers just wiped the snow off. The second snow that we had, um, I, I guess cars have a, I don't know what to call it, a safety thing that it doesn't burn out your motor or something, is that, you know, I tried, I turned on the windshield wipers, and they moved about half an inch, and and then it said, and then they said, forget it, we're not moving. <laughs> so I had to get out with the, with uh, the brush, and, and it was about three to four inches, but it, it really was a heavy snow. I mean, like I say, too heavy for the windshield wipers to just push it off the windshield. Yeah, it was. I'm glad it's gone, though. I'm glad it's gone. Summer is finally here. So uh, I wanted to I wanted to let you guys know that I start camp again next weekend. And usually, what happens when I go to camp is we move the show uh, to the week uh, Monday or Tuesday, and then we come back to Sundays again once I close down camp, but um, it's it's a lot to do so many different podcasts during the week now, and uh, so we're going to, we're going to, this will be our last stunt treks until the end of the summer, so um, after Labor Day, or, I'm sorry, yeah, after Labor Day, um, I'll still be doing trek talking on Thursday nights, but that'll, that'll be the only podcast that will be going on, um, will be trek talking on Thursday night. Um, I, the only time that that might change would be if we have a guest a speaker or somebody scheduled and they can't be with us on Thursday due to time, you know, changes or whatever. Or we might have to move the show to a different day or a different hour. But uh, Trek Talking will stay on Thursday night at 7.30, and uh, Stunt Trek will, be, will pick up again once the summer ends. Leslie and I will be back at it again every Sunday night, and we'll be talking about Planet of the Apes, Star Trek, uh, who knows what, snow, <laughs> the weather, <laughs> anything. But um, you can still visit Leslie at the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll still be around. I'll still be uh, uh, talking with Leslie and and seeing what's going on with Leslie. We just won't be here with you guys on Sunday night. So I just want to let you guys know that everything is fine. Leslie's fine. I'm fine. It's just um, 
it's just a lot to do all during the week. Get prepared for camp, you know, do my other podcast, do this one. It's, it's a lot. So we're just going to be on hiatus for a little while, taking a break. So don't worry. Uncle Jim and the Leslie Hoffman will be back after Labor Day. So mark your calendars. We'll have a great show uh, when we come back, and it'll be a lot of fun. It'll, we'll make it worth the wait. How's that sound? So uh, we're going to be talking. <laughs> we're going to be talking tonight. I was talking with Leslie about you know what do we want to do uh, for the show tonight? And last week was um, uh, George Takai's 84th birthday. So I decided. I said to Leslie, "Well, do you have any stories about George?" And Leslie said, "Oh, absolutely." And I said, "Well, so do I." So uh, we're we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about George. And some of our experiences with him at, at conventions and, and other things. And we're just going to hang out and talk about Miss Sulu tonight. So if you guys have a story that you'd like to share about George, uh, give us a call. Our phone line is 646-668-2433. That's 646-668-2433. We'll be live with you guys here for about another 45 minutes or so. Or so give us a call and share your stories about George. He's a great guy. He's been on the convention circuit, well, since the first convention, way back in New York City in the early 70s, I believe that convention was. And speaking of that first convention, I believe that Leslie posted a picture on the Facebook page, and she attended that first convention. Correct, Leslie? Um second convention but but yes i i went down to new york city well i think we've talked about this in the past is that i mean nowadays people just think horror conventions sci-fi conventions star trek conventions um i really believe it was star trek that started these celebrity conventions or, I, or I television show conventions. You're, you're absolutely right. Back in the in the seventies, Star Trek. I think what kept Star Trek alive, and I think what helped make Star Trek so popular and make it what it is today, is the conventions. And the actors would go to all these conventions and it, and meet the fans and hang out with the fans and talk to the fans and it gave the fans. Well, I know in my case, I can't speak for everybody. But it gave you a person, you, you felt personally connected with the show because you met the people. Um, you know, you met, you know, George, you met Walter and Michelle and Jimmy. And, and so when you saw them on TV or you saw them in the movies, you kind of had a personal connection because you met them and you had memories about hanging out with them at the bar or at the hotel or the restaurant or whatever. And that's something you don't get with, with movie stars like Burt Reynolds and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and things like that. You might love their movies and stuff, but you never met them. So they're nothing more than, than an image on the screen. But that's not the case with Star Trek. And I think that's what made Star Trek what it is today, was the availability of the actors to hang out with the fans. And you got to know these people on a personal level. Would you agree, Leslie? Yes, absolutely. I, and I think the way you described it is absolutely perfect, is that, um, 
you know, you, you <laughs> well, let's, uh, I, I don't know, this name just popped into my head, but exactly what you're saying is that, okay, you've seen John Wayne movies, but you never met the man. I mean, you might have loved him in the films that he did, but you never had a personal con contact with him. Now, with Star Trek, as you say, with the conventions, I mean, here's here's Captain Kirk, here's Sulu, here's you know uh, Chekhov. I mean, you're you're actually what? Well, how do I say it? Is that you're seeing the character, even though you're really seeing the actor? But but as you say, you're you're actually. Um, how do I? <laughs> You're actually experiencing the real thing. It's not just an image you're looking at. You're looking at the human being now. You're talking to the human being now. Yeah, it's it's something that was very special and very unique to Star Trek. I think what happened, and now this is just again my personal. Um, you know, this isn't a fact. I'm just, but Star Trek conventions were huge in the 70s. They were gigantic in the 80s. When TNG came out, they were huge. And then into the 90s, and then they started to fade off. And I think, and this is my opinion, and please don't, anyone that's listening, don't take this the wrong way. Because I was running my own Star Trek conventions in the mid-90s. And um, I think what happened was people wanted to have conventions, but uh, Star Trek had become so popular and so many conventions. There was literally a convention every single weekend. I mean, there were times when I had to decide, well, do I want to go down to uh, Buffalo and see Michael Dorn? Do I want to go up to Syracuse and see Jonathan Frakes? Do I want to go down to Connecticut and see Patrick Stewart? I mean, every weekend you had to pick, you know, where you wanted to go. There were so many. And what ended up happening was the actors started raising their prices because there, there was such a demand for them. And as their prices started to go up and up and up, conventions were looking for ways to have a cheaper convention so they started getting people from Doctor Who, uh, Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, you know, a lot of the old TV shows from the 70s that weren't on anymore because those actors were cheaper than and weren't in as much of a demand as the TNG actors and the TOS actors who were by this time making movies. So you started oh, there, seeing... There were guest stars. Well, if you want to call them guest stars, there were guests that actually would pay their own way and pay for a table to be at these conventions because they were hoping that, okay, you know, uh, William Shatner is going to be there, so if I fly out there and if I have a table, you know, maybe maybe I can make some sales too. But, but again, you kind of hit on it. Uh, you didn't say the – the name that shall not be <laughs> named, but I'll say it, is I I say cre creation was part of the destruction of uh, 
conventions. Oh, I, I wasn't going to say that. I, I was staying away from that, but you're absolutely right. I, the, the, the stories that I could tell you about what creations did to me as a fan convention uh, would make you cry. And just to give you an example, I'm not going to name any names in this example, but I had scheduled a Star Trek convention in 1992 in Albany, New York, and I had signed a particular be there. Creations turned around and said to this guest star that I already had a contract with, look, we will pay you twice as much money to do a convention the same weekend in Syracuse, New York, instead of Albany, New York. And the actor agreed mm-hmm. to that. I got I got a call from the from their uh, manager saying that they had backed out due to a, a professional conflict. Blah 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 blah. And uh, you know I had to do some fancy <laughs> yeah, footwork. Yeah, the conflict was about five thousand dollars or something. It, it's exactly what it was. That's exact the exact amount. And uh, I made a few phone calls, and uh, I got a phone call back from the from the manager saying, oh, well, uh, so-and-so has reconsidered, and um, they're going to do your show in Albany instead. So that was the kind of thing that they were doing. And unfortunately, what was happening was so-and-so would be offered $5,000 more money than I offered them to do a convention. So next time they did a convention, their price just went up by $5,000. And that, that snowball of a monster was created by creation. They created that. Well, creation somehow had either either they were part of Paramount or they had a deal with Paramount. So so uh you haven't touched on this part either, is that um uh creation would actually have their name on an actor's picture or an item that was being sold. And if you had a convention that did not have the word creation on it, they would come into that convention and confiscate those those pictures or whatever you may have had at, not you personally, but at a convention. That's the stories I've heard. No, they were terrible. They were terrible. But... Uh... What ended up happening is that the Star Trek actors got to a point where they were so expensive that people were bringing in, you know, the Jawa from Star Wars, the Tusken Raider from Star Wars. Uh, they were bringing in, you know, Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica. Um, and they were bringing in other actors because they were so much cheaper. And what ended up happening is what we have right now. There's no more Star Trek conventions. They don't exist. Now everything is a multimedia convention and not Star Trek. And that saddens me greatly because nothing was better than going to a Star Trek convention and hanging out for a weekend with a bunch of Trek heads. It was heaven. It was, it was total heaven. And there's so many people today that will never, ever experience that because it doesn't exist. It, it's sad. Yes, sadly, sadly but, it doesn't. I mean, uh, I'll do one final story is a a person that we actually had on uh, Stunt Trek that was talking to us. Uh, He went to a creation 
convention, and he had a question about Star Trek, and he goes up to, um, you know, one of the, I don't know what you would call it, people running the show, and he asks him the question about Star Trek, and the answer he got was, I don't know. That doesn't doesn't surprise me. You know, if it's a Star Trek convention, you would hope that the people, whether they were the volunteers, whether they were running the show, would have some idea of who they're promoting. Well, I do want to say um, there is a very, very small Star Trek convention in upstate New York in Ticonderoga called Trek Conderoga. They do it around August, and that's where um, I met Leslie. No, I think I met Leslie. Well, Leslie's been there. I'm not sure if that's where I met her or not, but Leslie's been there. And they have it at the Ticonderoga High School. It's a very, very small convention, a couple of hundred people, maybe, Leslie, two, two, three hundred, would you say? Yeah, maybe. yeah, as you say, very small. It's very, very small, but it's very personal. And um, it's Star Trek only. So, um, you know, I I like to go up to it every year. We haven't been one because of COVID. But I go up there um, as a Klingon and, uh, you know, have, do Trek, con, uh, uh, Trek talking interviews and things of that nature. And I'll hang out up there for the weekend and just have some fun with the Star Trek fans. But it's very small, very low-key. And uh, so if, if you're looking for something like that, keep that in the back of your mind. It's all Star Trek, which is really fun. Uh, and you can, get, you can hang out with me. You can meet Uncle Jim. I might even let you touch my bat list if you're really nice. So, Excuse um, me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Can you say that on this show? <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, I baby, did. you want to touch my bat list? I, uh, <laughs> I, I'll whip out my, my bat list. And, uh, you know, people always want to touch it, and they always want to get a picture yeah, of no, it. It's not as nice as Leslie's. <laughs> Leslie has a real bat lift. Uh, mine is just a prop. But at any rate, it's a lot of fun up there. It's very, very small. There's not much in Ticonderoga, but it's fun. And uh, you can go and tour the original set series tour as well, which is, I think, the major attraction. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and it's only Star Trek. You won't see Marvel superheroes there. You won't see anybody there from Star Wars. It's all Star Trek. So it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Like I said, I, yes. it's very, very small, very small. They have it in the Ticonderoga High School, which is odd, but um, it's fun. I, just, I can't say any more about it really than that. It's small, and it's fun. Um, so... Anyways, I don't know, has, has George been up there? I know Walter and Michelle were there, what, two years ago or three years ago? Oh, boy. I don't know if he yeah. was up there for uh, for a convention, but that's one of my stories is that uh, he actually was on an episode of uh, when – when James Colley was making fan films, uh, New Voyages, uh, he was in an episode of World Enough and Time. And that was another guest that we've had on the show before is John Lim was uh, being um, Sulu 
at a younger age and and George was on the set, you know, being being the real Sulu or the older Sulu. <laughs> the old Sulu. <laughs> the old Sulu and the young Sulu. <laughs> the ori- well, I should say the original Sulu. I shouldn't say young and That's old. right. That's right, because who is it? Um, John Chow? Who, is it John Chow that does Sulu in the Kelvin Universe movies? I think. I think that's who does them. But anyways, Oops, listen, we have to, we well, have to take Lim. a very quick, com- uh, very quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to be sharing some stories about George. Don't touch that dial. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. Uncle Jim, the Leslie Hoffman, we're talking about George Sulu Takei. So, Leslie, you have, you have some stories to share about the man himself? Uh, yeah, well, um, we, we kind of quickly went over it, but I'll go back and, and just um, flesh it out. Is that uh, so in the early 70s, the second Star Trek convention was held in New York City and actually I'm surprised that my parents were willing to let me go down to New York City that's 300 miles south of Saranac Lake but uh somehow they let me go and uh I mean it it again this is only the second convention should I say in the world that was Star Trek and it was so amazing to walk into the room with other Trekkies. I mean, um, the love of the show, the, the, the people, you know, knew, knew everything about Star Trek back then, the original one, TOS. Um, and, and back then there, there weren't, bodyguards and this and that and you got to stand in line and well obviously you had to stand in line to get up to the uh whoever you were trying to see but you know it was it was such it was much more relaxed than um I'll say recent conventions that I was at uh and uh and again I guess how, how do you say it? Is that, like you say, it was a new experience for both sides of the table, not only for, you know, like you say, the guest stars, but the fans that were coming up to see the guests. So it wasn't like, next, okay, sign the picture, next, sign the picture, sign. You know, they they were probably just as excited to come and talk to the fans. And, and I remember George just being really nice, and the picture that you're talking about, um, you know, I brought a camera down, and someone took a picture of me with with George, and and you know, I mean, nowadays, uh, 
if you did something like that, um, there are some guest stars that will say, okay, if you're going to take a picture of me, you know, you and me together, it's going to cost $50 to, you know, I mean, I guess I should, we've already been through that. The bottom line was in the 70s, you went up to George, you talked to him, he was really nice, you wanted a picture with him, he sat there, he smiled, you know, and and it it was an absolutely wonderful experience. Um, And, I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm getting old and the brain is getting atrophied, but... um, I still have, I I also just posted uh, this pamphlet or this booklet that they made uh, that they handed out, you know, when you paid your, I mean, obviously there was a fee to get into the convention, but there was no fee to see uh, the guest stars. So so it was really nice. And that, like I say, that was the 70s. Then, um, then you know, my, my story happens then in, in the 90s. Uh, the unbelievable uh, experience of being part of Star Trek. I mean, when, when I was taking that picture with George, who would have known – that uh um let's see what would it be 20 years later uh that I'd be working on deep space 9 and uh voyager i mean you know you just you just don't you don't think about the future that way or how can you predict the future that way uh now leslie <laughs> speaking of voyager did you happen to work on the episode of Flashback where George came back and was on the show? Um, unfortunately, no. I I wasn't on that show, so so I never did get to work with him on set at Paramount. Uh, but then later. Uh, you kind of talked. Well, you 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 went all the way to the convention part. But before Ticonderoga had conventions, they were doing fan films, and um, like you say, George was asked to be in one of the fan film episodes, World Enough in Time, and um, I. I don't remember who contacted me. I assume it was James Colley, but there was a sword fight in in the episode. And so uh, my stunt friend, Tom Morgan, and I went over to George's house. And um, for those who don't know, George is married to a man named Brad Altman. So, so like I say, we went over to their house and we worked out a routine that we felt would be easy enough for George to do and also James to do. You know, it, it couldn't be anything too dangerous. All I need to do is have one of them stick the other one in the eye with, <laughs> with the sword, and that <laughs> that would not have been a good thing. 
Anyways, no. uh, so we were practicing that in Los Angeles. What I used to do was when when James was doing these fan films, um, Ticonderoga is about an hour and a half away from Saranac Lake. So I would plan a visit back to see my parents. And then, you know, I would drop down to Ticonderoga uh, for a day or something, you know, just to say hi to people. Uh, but in this case, you know, I was on the set uh, for the sword fight, which was kind of interesting because one of the things is they wanted him to have a cape on while doing the sword fight. And the thing is that the script says that he pulls the sword from from his back, you know, that the sword, is, it's not like one that you have in your waist it's somehow he's pulling the sword from behind himself well you can't be wearing a cape and pulling a sword out of out of uh, a hilt so you know anyways we got we got that taken care of but the interesting thing was before we left uh, the house Brad took me aside and said asked me if I could be George's bodyguard or could, you know, could you keep an eye on George that, you know, that he's being taken care of? I mean, Brad was very concerned about George. And, uh, and I said, yes, you know, so, so, uh, you know, I flew back to, to, to see my parents and I drove down to Ty and, uh, and like I say, basically, I was right next to George uh, for the time that he was in Ticonderoga. And actually, it turned out that George and I had a great time. We're, we both like older musicals, and in between shots, <laughs> we would we would start singing songs from South Pacific, Showboat, whatever. And... Uh, um, I can't say that the, anyone else on the crew, well, the crew is much younger than George and myself. So the songs we were singing, they most likely never even heard of. But but uh, somewhere, somewhere in my computer, I think I do have a video of George and I singing, <laughs> which, again, it, it was a wonderful time on the set. Um, and... I wanted to say for, for our listeners out there, uh, John Lim and Andy Bray wrote a book called Making Fake Star Trek, and they made a second book called Making More Fake Star Trek, which centers on the episodes that Leslie's talking about right now, um, because Andy Bray played um, Chekhov, and John Lim played Sulu. And the first episode that they did was a Chekhov episode where Chekhov uh, aged and died, and then the second one was a Sulu episode where he goes through time. And both of them were filmed in Ticonderoga. And both of them, you can read about them in, in great length and detail in Making Fake Star Trek and Making More Fake Star Trek by John Lim and Andy Bray. So check them out. You can get them on Amazon. We've had them on the show several times. They are great guys. They're funny. They're knowledgeable. 
and uh, check out their book if you're looking for something to read. So I just wanted to get a little plug in there for them. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, uh, I've never worked with George professionally, but I do have a couple of stories um, from conventions. Well, one wasn't from a convention. Uh, my wife, a girlfriend at the time, and I went on Sea Trek in 1991. And I went on Sea Trek because I, w- I wanted to meet some of the stars and get some contact information for my conventions and stuff. So what better way to do it than on a cruise? So we went on the cruise. And every morning at 5 a.m., George would be jogging around the upper deck, um, the, the, I don't know what you call it, the exposed deck. I'm not a, a, a ship person, but, the, you know, the deck where, you can, where you're outside, <laughs> you know, the upper deck as opposed to the lower deck. And every morning at 5 o'clock, he'd be up there jogging, and um, I would get up for breakfast, and I'd see him, and I'd say, hey, George, and he'd say hi, and, and he's a friendly, friendly guy. I wasn't jogging with him, though, so that's not my scene. But he was cool. Uh, but I did see him at a non-Star Trek convention. They were doing a political rally at RPI in, in Troy, New York, and he was one of the guest speakers to talk about politics and minorities, you know, how you go about getting into politics and how you can make changes and all these different things. And so I was there dressed up as a Klingon, and we sat we got there really early, me and a couple of our friends, and we had on our Star Trek uniforms, and we were sitting right in the front row. And uh, they came out and were doing all their boring political stuff and analysis, which was so boring. But then George came out. They introduced George, and we all stood up and were cheering and cheering and clapping, and George gave his little, his little intro. And he says, before we get started, um, there's a couple of people here that I think I have a couple of questions I want to get out of the way first. And he pointed to us and we got to ask him some questions about Star Trek at a political rally. It was so awesome. And then after it was all over, we, we met him out in the lobby and uh, he talked to us for a couple of minutes and he told us that Star Trek follows him everywhere he goes, no matter what he does or where he goes. There's always a Star Trek fan there. And he always, takes the time to acknowledge them. And I thought that was cool. I just thought that was just the greatest thing in the world. And uh, I saw him in, um, when did Star Trek VI come out? That was 1991 as well. Yeah, I think that was. They had this thing called Sit Long and Prosper. And for the 25th anniversary of Star Trek, they played all six of the Star Trek movies back to back to back to back to back to back. And one of our local movie theaters had George there as a guest. And they had a little mini Star Trek convention in the lobby. They had dealers set up, and they wanted some people there in costumes. So, of course, I went as a Klingon. And I had a Star Trek Six poster, and I went up and had George sign it for me, and he signed it to Jim. Some of my best friends are Klingons. And that poster is hanging on my wall to this day. It's one of the prizes of my Star Trek collection. And uh, George is just a grateful, friendly, awesome guy. I can't say enough good things about him, Leslie. (laughs) Well, going into uh, 
I mean, there, there are two things about George that it's it's amazing how friendly and nice he is because um, he's of Japanese descent, and during World War II, uh, the government seized his parents' house and put them in a concentration camp. I mean, you know, United States does not want to talk about concentration camps. I think they call them internment camps. They were concentration camps. There was there was barbed wire around these things. And that's and that's how he grew up as a child in a concentration camp in the United States, land of the free. Unless you happen to be yes. at war with Japan. And uh, George I mean, and talk then, about that. I think he wrote a book yeah. about it, too, I believe. I think. Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. But, uh, you know, once once the war was over and they released the, the uh, <laughs> I don't know what to call them, I mean, the people that were in the concentration camp, their houses were gone. Their possessions were gone. I mean, you're free. The war's over. You're free. By the way, you don't have a house anymore. I mean, so his right. family had to start over again. I mean, that could make a very bitter person. I mean, like you say, George has overcome so many things. So, so like you say, as a child... He was brought up in a concentration camp. Then um, I don't know at what point he came out, but that he is gay. And there was, it was really strange. In California, there was like, for some reason, there was like maybe six weeks or something that they were allowing um, gay marriages and Brad and George quickly got married, and then all of a sudden California decides that there aren't going to be gay marriages anymore. <laughs> so here they got married, and then and then all these other people behind them, you know, when I'm saying that figuratively, uh, suddenly it's illegal again. You can't get married, and then and then they. They changed their mind again, and then they opened up that uh, gay people could get married. But uh, um, I don't know. It's well, uh, I'm 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 making a left hand turn here. Is that I remember when I was on the board of the Screen Actors Guild, the problem wasn't a matter of of gays getting married, or, or or let me put it this way, the problem of gay couples was they were not being recognized. And let's say one of the members was sick and in the hospital, the the other partner could not legally see that sick person because they were not considered part of the family because they were not married. Um, exactly. Also, the health plan, at least with the Screen Actors Guild, 
if you're man and wife, the wife or the husband, depending on if you're the actor or the actress, would be covered by the health plan. But if you're a gay couple and you're not married, you could not put on your companion, whatever you want to call them, uh, as underneath your health plan. So for all the money that George was making on Star Trek and the Star Trek uh, movies in the very beginning, he couldn't put Brad on his health plan. I mean, it only was allowed once California allowed them to get married. Then Brad was able to be underneath the health plan. So so that, you know, people, uh, even today, they're still arguing whether uh, women can marry women, men can marry men, you know, the, the whole thing. But it, besides that it's making a commitment, there are, boy, I wish I could think of the right word. There, there are technical things that the government has created that if you don't have that piece of paper, like, well, I'm repeating myself now. If you don't have that piece of paper, and let's say your your better half, whatever you want to call them, is in the hospital dying of cancer or something, you legally can't go in there. That's because right. Because you don't have a piece of paper saying that uh, – you know, your husband and husband, or or wife and wife, or whatever you want to call it, uh, and and like you say, I'm repeating myself. Is you may have been living with this person for 20 years, and you can't cover them under your health plan. I mean, right. that's that was a major reason why. Uh, they wanted to legalize uh, marriage. You know, I mean, I remember that originally they were trying to come up with, well, we'll recognize you as companions. Well, that still didn't allow the law to cover you. It wasn't a matter of a piece of paper saying, okay, you're legally companions. It was it was a piece of paper that was allowing you to visit your loved one in the hospital or, and or like I say I'm picking on cancer if if your loved one needs chemotherapy um you know you're helping your health plan would cover them that's why I mean like I say there is the commitment but there was the I can't. I wish I could think of the right word. Is that um, because of the government, there was financial, or I hate to say financial. It's it's like you say. It's 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 the other coverage, or or let's say uh, your loved one dies, and uh, I mean technically, if you were man and wife, automatically. It would go to the wife or it would go to the husband if you didn't have a will. But let's say you're man and man and and your loved one dies and for some reason you don't have a will, 
the family could come in as vultures. And like I say, you could have been living with this person for 20 years, and you would have no rights to the house that you lived in for 20 years with your companion. So, like I say, it, it, it just wasn't a matter of a commitment of love. There was, there was, there was, it just was so wrong. I mean. It was. You know, there, there are gay I, marriages that have lasted longer than uh, heterosexual marriages. I uh, I looked up at the title of that book, and it's called They Called Us Enemy. And um, Google Books says, New York Times best-selling graphic memoir from actor, author, activist George Takei returns in a deluxe edition, experience the forces that shaped an American icon and America itself in this gripping tale of courage, country, loyalty, and love. Available on Google Books. So uh, that's oh. the name of it if you guys want to check that out by George himself I, about well, his experiences. That, that almost sounds like it covers his whole life then. I think I think it just covers his life in the internment camp, uh, I think. Oh. I don't know. I haven't read it, but um, it might. I'm not sure. Maybe it does. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, so we're just about – out of time, Leslie. Yeah, I know that, I got up on the soapbox, but <laughs> was, sorry um, about that. But, but I mean, George was, was deserves George, all the love. He, he was he ever on Planet of the Apes? Amazingly... I don't know. <laughs> was George ever on Planet of the Apes? Right. Too bad that he wasn't on the planet. Sorry, he wasn't on Planet of the Apes, but uh, but he, I mean, he did do a lot of other shows, but but he will always be Sulu to to I think the public. Yeah, and speaking <laughs> unless of, they're going to uh, make a <laughs> Planet of the Apes with. Well, actually, that's an interesting thing. I wonder if he ever voiced um, any of uh, the Planet of the Apes. I think I would have to look up, but I I don't think so. I just wanted to say one thing in closing about about George. When J.J. Abrams was making Star Trek Beyond in 2016, there's a scene in the movie where Sulu lands at Space Station at the Yorktown Space Station, and he gets off of the Enterprise and goes to and picks up his daughter Demora, and his husband is there waiting for him, and um, they they made the, the Sulu character gay in the movie as an homage to to George, and George was really upset about that. George didn't like that because George felt that it changed the character and made the character into something that it wasn't. And I I respect that, but I just want to – I cannot think of a single time when it was determined on Star Trek. I don't even think they were dealing with homosexuality back in the the 60s, was they? Were they? Oh, there there is no way in the 60s 
that they would have an openly gay person uh, in Star Trek. I mean, that again, that's what's so amazing about Discovery up in Canada. I mean, anything goes now with with Discovery, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. That that they are representing everybody now. And uh, I just wanted to let everybody know that the Discovery is filming season four right now in Toronto, and COVID has struck, and now they've shut down filming for the next two weeks uh, just to make sure everything is okay, uh, and then they'll resume filming. Uh, I think May sixth or seventh, I believe it was. So. Discovery is still in the works, and Picard is also filming. So we're going to have some live Star Trek coming up soon. We also have Lower Decks to look forward to and Star Trek Prodigy, the new animated series with uh, Kate Mulgrew. So got a lot of Star Trek to look forward to. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But, Leslie, we are out of time, believe it or not. We we just breathe through these hours. (laughs) They just fly right by, don't they? But um, listen, guys, please visit us at the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page. Say hello to Leslie. She'd love to hear from you. And uh, check out Trek Talking on Thursday night with myself and my Trek experts. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll have Leslie on Trek Talking with us as as a guest host if Leslie's available, and uh, she can hang out with us, talk about Discovery, talk about Picard, talk about Lower Decks in the meantime. And please don't worry. I I promise you Stunt Treks will return with a vengeance. The wrath of Leslie. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? The wrath of Leslie? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. <laughs> we we will definitely yeah. be back. Um, um. If if things would settle down here, uh, hopefully I could start calling in on Thursday. It's uh, again, it's personal issues of the care of my mother, and it's it's just it it eats up my week. I mean, but. Hopefully, hopefully I can call in on Thursday and and at least say hello. <laughs> that, that's completely understandable, and um, you know, hopefully we'll have some new Star Trek coming out soon, and everything will be back to normal. Hopefully, COVID is going to stop rearing its ugly head. We can get back to some conventions, and we can start living our lives again. Uh, hopefully, we can all live long and prosper. That would be preferable. So uh, we're out of time, Leslie. I got to say thank you so, so much because we couldn't do stunt treks without the one and only Leslie Hoffman. So thank you for hanging out and talking about George with me tonight. It was fun as always. Uh, it. Thank you for for allowing me to do uh, stunt trek. I mean, it. It. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to be, as you say, come four months from now, I'm going to be out of my mind. So, yes, I guess I will be calling in on Thursday. And and definitely people are more than welcome to ask questions on uh, the appreciation page. Like I say, it's going to be four months. 
Um, so so please write to me. Yeah, we'll we'll be back though. Don't you guys worry. We definitely will be back. I'll be up at my camp up in Lake George, having a great time on there from Friday to Sunday every week for the whole summer. So um, I'll I'll be up there. Um, but hey, maybe Leslie can shoot down and hang out at camp with us for a little while. I don't know. But uh, we're not going away, so don't worry. We will be back. Okay, so so make sure that you. You realize that we are coming back. We're just taking a little vacation for the summer. That's all. Um, so, anyways, I'm your co- I'm your co-host, Uncle Jim. You guys can hang out with me on Thursday night, Trek talking. Uh, we're gonna have Victoria Fox on with us Thursday night. She's the director of the new Star Trek fan film Avalon. Uh, she also works, or I'm not Avalon, Interlude from the Avalon universe. And she's going to be hanging out with us talking about Star Trek fan films. So you guys check that out if you're interested. And you can also find me at Trick Talking and Beyond on Facebook as well. So please, everybody, I want you to stay safe and be good to each other. And come back and check out Stunt Trek um, in, a, in a couple of months when summer's over. We'll be back with more great stories. We'll talk about Planet of the Apes and and uh, we'll have a lot of fun. Actually, uh, Top Gun Maverick is coming out this summer, and uh, we can have who, who is who is that guy that was on last time, Leslie? The graphic artist who worked on Top Gun. I can't remember his name. Um, Your friend. <laughs> oh, Matt Boardman. Uh, uh... Right, the uh, you know what movie he's doing, and you seemed real excited about that one. So yeah, <laughs> in Popcorn Maverick. Well, when when does that movie come out? They pushed it back to October. So we'll, we'll definitely have it on. We'll have him back on after after the movie comes out. Yeah, because he said he couldn't talk about it, but he said it's, he said we're going to love it. If you like the original Top Gun, you'll love this one. And he worked on all the jet planes and all the battle sequences and everything. So I'm really excited about, you know, having him on the show when he can talk about it. So keep that in mind. That's something to look forward to. And anyways, the lady's whispering in my ear that we have less than 60 seconds before she cuts us off. So... Um, I want to say Uh-oh. good night. Thank you to everybody. And uh, come back at the end of the summer. Leslie and I will be back with more fun. So everybody be good to each other. Good night. And hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, Leslie. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.